Hello, everyone. This is the 5th of November, 2011. Oh, my. I'm asking, I'm opening this space right now for questions. Yes, I can say something. Can you hear me? Okay, but I can't yes, hear you. Yes, we can hear you. We can hear you. Why. All right. Okay. So a silent meeting for me today. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, it's a miracle we're having any kind of Zoom conversation at all. So uh, the point, there's usually some sound setting that's set wrong and or uh, rebooting the Zoom thing. So that's the only suggestion I have. All right. Any questions about your experiments? Any questions about... We, I'll, I have to say something first. And Chloe stole the floor and invented a, a space. And we're, it's called Ask Us Anything. And so the first Sunday of every month at a certain time, that's pretty much universally accessible around the world, we're gonna have a hour, hour long space where anybody around the world will have one or a couple, at least two possibilitators or trainers in the space, and you can ask anything about anything. It's fantastic for new people who go, what's, what is possibility management? What, what are you guys doing? What's, and they have questions about different trainers or people or gossip or, or rumors that people have heard, like all that. This is an ask us anything space. No question will be ignored. And so, uh, I'll, we're gonna, we'll I'll, go ahead. Yeah, I'll post the information. It's not going to happen tomorrow because I know tomorrow sure. is the first Sunday of the month, but it will start in December. Great. But and it's it's so, really sort of about uh, yeah, new people how to navigate the game world of possibility management, sort of like what's start over and what's a bridge house and how do I get in? You know, what's other, what trainings are best and how do I find a possibility team? What the hell is a possibility team? Like that kind of, that kind of thing. And we'll, we'll post it on, uh, it will be recorded. And so we'll, we'll have a list of ask us anything so people can watch it. Thank you. Mark, I thought I saw your hand flash by. Was that true? Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> I would like a distinction of where my spirit, which I consider to be the part of me that won't die, fits in with the five bodies. This has been a, a, a research that's decades long for us because there's this confusion brought in by uh, spiritual groups and churches, which I do not consider to be the same thing. And there's vocabulary that they're throwing around, for example, the word soul or things like that, that are, they, they claim territory over these words. You know, they grip onto these words and define them in their own, whichever way they want to, according to their belief system. So, the tricky part with a church or a spiritual school is that there are beliefs involved, and it, which means that that it leaves the, the realm of questioning or the realm of even experimentation, the realm of 
uh, testing, all that. It departs from those realms because they're bringing in beliefs. And so in possibility management, we're not using, there's no beliefs at all. There's a belief is just this, a trick for um, trying to suppress fear of unanswered questions, mostly. And so then, but then there's this thing about going, okay, you know, there's a theory that could be set forward, which is that there seems to be a part of us that can show up in various lifetimes because some of us have really clear and precise memories and experiences and old decisions about previous lifetimes, for example. So the question is, okay, well, you've got five bodies. What? How does that relate to the thing that is consistent or persisting? And what, for me, what it's looking like is that the this thing that we're calling a being, the thing that you build your matrix in, the thing that can essentially is the seat of awareness, this thing has, it wears the five bodies, kind of like a body glove. And so even we, for a while, I was confused about the energetic body. I thought it was that, but no, we, we're actually wearing the energetic body, like a body glove, and you can sense energetic stuff. I mean, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're good at sensing stuff, you can feel this right now. You guys can feel me doing this. This is an energetic thing in the space that I'm holding, and I'm just, you know, moving energy around in your space a little. How many people can feel that? I'm doing this, okay, it's a, it's a sensation, it isn't a concept. So this is, and I'm aware, but the thing is I'm wearing this energetic body just like you're wearing your energetic body and we can, you stay touch and you can feel it. But the thing that wears the energetic body is, the, is our being. Now, so it's taken decades before we could have this conversation. It's taken decades for us to make enough distinctions about building matrix and the five bodies and archetypal domains and like all this stuff so that we can start to explore being in a way that fits into the distinctions that we've been discovering in possibility management. And so uh, one of the most, there's one of the most remarkable, there's a couple remarkable things about being that I wanted to throw out while we're talking about it, which is this uh, path of evolution rolls along in in its unique way for each person. It isn't a it is not a so much of a everybody, it's not like the Jakobsweg or the, you know, the this path that you walk on as a pilgrim, you know, if you're at you're at Thomas Town, and you're going to Mark Town, and everybody knows where you are on the path. Whereas the path of evolution, it grows uniquely for each of our survival strategies and our healing processes. And the way that it grows has to do with building matrix, which is, and the matrix is these built out of distinctions. Like, what is it that you can notice? To what extent can you notice what you're noticing with? 
And these distinctions make it possible for us to be aware of certain things or not aware of other things. And the awareness is woven into this field of consciousness. And so this is the interface between our being and the general field of consciousness is the matrix that we build. And, and so it's, it, it becomes applicable to relating because intimacy, because intimacy is intimacy is matched between beings according to the matrix that you build. And so if you if you're if you're on this path and you're consciously building matrix and you're doing experiments and you know doing edge work and you're studying and reading movies and meeting with people and holding space and doing all this stuff that builds matrix. And then you you meet someone and try and, and start relating with them. And so notice I'm not using the word relationship. I'm using the word relating as a set of skills. So you start relating with somebody and it's pretty quick, like half a second, if you're scanning, that you, you can sense, as long as your gremlin in box is not involved, you can sense where they are in their path. You can sense the qualities of their being. You can sense their, their kind of level of awareness or degree of awareness. You can be aware of, of their awareness and your own awareness. And so there, there's going to be, there's never, like there's never a, uh, whatever you want, people call this soulmate. There's this, you know, this, this fantasy world of finding your soulmate and being at the same place and then moving along the path together I, I think this is really a Hollywood or a Christian church or some kind of fantasy world that does not relate to reality or any human life I've ever seen or experienced. And so the this, this ability to relate well, relate in such a way as you have this experience of being well met, like having intimacy, being able to to interact in different different ways in five bodies intimately in your in your relating it has to some degree and some amount of measurable degree to do with how where where is your, your where are you on your path like where how much awareness have you built up in the matrix that you have so that that kind of intimacy it's imp it it has it's a factor. I mean, you know, you we meet people all day long, and most of you guys are edge workers. You guys have been working on yourself for decades. You in past lives and all this. You've been you are pretty much the cutting edge of human consciousness on the planet right now. You and your friends, and the there's a there's a price to pay for that, and the price is. You, you can feel the pain of the disconnection between other people, between you and other people, between other people and the earth, between you and the earth, between the earth and human cultures. And really, you're, you can feel these pains. And so that's a cost. You have to pay that price. And it's a, 
this evolution thing is a one-way road. It's really difficult to undo consciousness, to go backwards, to become less conscious is really uh, uh, painful. I mean, it takes a huge amount of drugs or alcohol or TV or debt on your credit cards or low drama with people. I mean, it takes a, it's a burden to try to undo your, your discoveries in consciousness. And so it's frightening to become more aware. I mean, how many of you have been, or even right now are afraid of becoming more aware of something that you did not know you were not aware of, but that might change your, your awareness in a way that's irreversible right now. How many people can feel that fear going on? Okay, so I, I feel glad about that. Like, there's, I think that adds sensibility to the work that we're doing. It makes it sensible or it gives us, um, you know, there's been different times in my life when I wanted to evolve faster than I was evolving. It was just too painful to hang around in my bog, the swamp, you know, where I was hanging out, just too painful. And I wanted to evolve faster so I could build a bridge or dance around or float or walk on water or swim or fly over the swamp. So I would not have to be in my confusion or my delusion or my box survival strategy or gremlin shit. So trying to evolve faster than you are evolving, it turns out to be unsustainable. And, and some people try to use drugs to do that. There's so many people, really, really huge numbers of people, for some reason, doing a lot of ayahuasca and various sorts of psychedelics and really nano doses or micro dosing LSD or ecstasy or whatever. I just so many people out there trying to fool around with their their, their perception awareness evolutionary potentials using substances and it I, I'm not sure of the justification of it. I do not know how people justify this for themselves. I consider it to be possibly every now and then once in a while a useful thing and most of the time a relatively almost dangerous stupidity of thinking you can outsmart mother nature in a way. You know, trying to be smarter than the you know, the force of evolution in the, in the universe, trying to be smarter than that or cleverer than that. And I, I just, I don't think it's really, I, it's, it's like, uh, to me, it would be like going to IMDB and looking up the movie that, that just came out and jumping to the last scene and watching the last scene of the movie and thinking that you, you get the movie or you get the experience. You know, it's like trying trying to have accomplished or digest or integrate, you know, something faster than without having to do the work, you know, or waiting around or having to do step after step after step, you know, this kind of, it's like some, like, where do you think you're going to go? Where are you going to go? I mean, there's been such a distortion when the Dharma 
moved to the West, sort of like when the Chinese invaded Tibet and all the Tibetans came over to America and in Europe. And it was, it was well understood and predicted whatever this means, that the Dharma, which means the teaching, the great teaching would move to the West. And when that, when this happened, which, which is, you know, we all know what happened. Like this was happening in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It was moving to the West. <clears throat> People, we thought we, Westerners thought we understood what this meant. And it, uh, I don't think it's, I don't think we did. I don't think we get it because we had this conception of, oh uh, yeah, we, we want to be enlightened. I want to be enlightened. I want enlightenment. And this was some kind of, uh, you know, these, these, these tantric paintings and the yantra diagrams and the mudras with your hands and the yoga postures and like all of this stuff that kind of paints this picture of of a stable enlightened condition or some kind of enlightenment something that was possible for a human being not I mean the question is sort of like what happen what what happens if you get enlightened and you don't like it in this it's like people would be striving with all these technologies and techniques from the East, you know, and from the Himalayas and from Japan and China and all over and, and Sufism and all this stuff and trying to force this concept thing called enlightenment and then end up with, you know, standing in nothingness or whatever, facing, facing raw consciousness and then then what? I mean, then what if you don't like it? And so, and plus, what you know? How are you going to navigate that? What What are you going to? How are you going to make it useful? What What's the point? And so, there's this huge uh, confusion and distortion of, of evolution in human consciousness that the that ordinarily we could roll along the path of evolution according to the speed of evolution from the the, the sustainable you know we can sustain it's stable and it's been so distorted with substances and with technologies from the east and fantasy worlds that it's it's, it's a struggle to just kind of come back to the simplicity of noticing what you're noticing with and what kind of space you're holding? What's your purpose? Where's your gremlin? Where's your grounding cord? Whose space is it? What what you know? What are you creating in your relating? Like those things are so simple and straightforward compared to all this distractive stuff. And so, the simplicity of just sort of getting it. Okay, I'm who I am is this being that can be a space through which my bright principles and my archetypal lineage can do the work in the world. Well, this is this is wild enough. I mean, it's really powerfully wild. And it's rewarding. And it works for intimacy also. It has a lot of clarity for, for relating. And so 
this uh, Mark, the way you phrased your question about the thing that doesn't die, you know, in a way that's a theory, you know, some kind of theory. It's like, <clears throat> how much of planet Earth is going to be able to sustain life in 10 or 20 or 30 years from now? And if you're going to plan on reincarnating and then like having another lifetime to do, to live, well, what what kind of infrastructure can you depend on 30 years from now in terms of food and heat and shelter and clothing and friendly neighborhoods to live in and all that kind of stuff? So this is a complete fantasy world. You're going to re reincarnate into some kind of future after you die that's going to support human life. And then you go, well, okay, well, I'll just reincarnate on some other planet. Well, have you... Have you seen those things? You know, mostly they're insects or worms. You know, they do not have bilateral symmetry, like, or spinal cords. You know, most of the creatures, you know, that they show you on Star Wars, they all have kind of bilateral symmetry, you know, two arms, two eyes, you know, two legs, whatever. And they have spinal cords. Well, yeah, but in the universe, as most of us look like Martina Ricarda's, uh, you know, picture there. It's like a, some kind of snail with, you know, blobby mollusk shaped thing with, you know, I'm sure one time I'll tell you this story just to spice things up a bit. I was in France at midnight brushing my teeth out behind the barn in the men's box where we had this water and you could brush your teeth. And I'm out there alone, a single bare light bulb. And I see one of these French slugs and it's, it's, it's hanging down from this string. It's hanging upside down on, on this string about a meter or so long off the wall. And I've never saw a slug do this before. And I'm just standing there brushing my teeth and looking at this and there's this other slug that comes over and, and finds this string, the end of it, and slides down this string until these two slugs kind of meet on top of each other like this. Anybody ever seen this? Anybody ever seen this? Okay. Yeah, you saw it, Gabriel. Anyway, this a second slug comes in. He's risking his life because he doesn't have a string. He's counting on the first slug's upside down hanging string. And I'm just sitting there. I can I you know I can't even brush my teeth anymore. I'm going, what is going on? And then both of these slugs, this white thing comes out of them, this kind of long bladed, gooey white thing and they wrap around each other and then this white stuff squirts out and they start doing like this like i don't know if you can imagine these you know slugs doing this within this scoop and, and they're and i'm going ah, ah my worldview is dying right in front of me and my, my foam is dripping out of my teeth because i can't even function but and then after about a few minutes you know the, the second slug climbs away and the first one turns around and goes back up and they go back around their slug lives and i'm going Oh man. Uh, and and that was the first time in my life I ever wanted to be a slug. Just to see what that was like. But but aliens, you know, aliens are like that. So if you're gonna reincarnate on a different planet, you're not gonna get a body like this. So you won't you won't even have a tongue, you won't have teeth, you won't have eyes like this, you will have a completely different functionality. So the concept of getting reincarnated in some other planet that you're going to be a human being like creature, forget it. I mean, this whole thing is a fantasy world. So I don't know. It's 
it's a serious work to put on the sheriff's badge with your bullshit detector and go around and just shoot fantasy worlds. You know, just shoot them. And you gotta start with yourself. You gotta start really using your bullshit detector on yourself. And there's this great quote from Neil Postman and Charles Weingartner who wrote this book called Teaching as a Subversive Activity, which is a great book for the list on the list. And the quote is, the greatest source of bullshit with which we must contend is ourselves. It's the greatest source of bullshit. And so, it, you know, we're responsible for the bullshit that we're using in our lives. We are, there's nobody else. People give us bullshit all the time, but we choose what of the bullshit we put on our bullshit shelf and hold, you know, function using it in our lives. We choose that. So it doesn't, there's no, we cannot blame any other person for the bullshit that we're using. So then, so, so to detect bullshit, it has this smell. And you can imagine what the, what the smell is. It smells like bullshit. It's just like, hey, bullshit. And I don't think we use that word enough on ourselves or each other as a team. And in our job, one of, it's like our first job is to catch our own bullshit generator and just can it, just like stick a monkey wrench in the thing. You know, it's going around, yin, 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 you're pumping out bullshit. And you just take some stick and just stick it in there and you know, until it just can't go anymore. And it just doesn't, it wants to make bullshit and it, you know, bullshit goes everywhere. People are looking at you and going, what's, what are you, what's going on with you? And you go, go around, what's that smell? That's the thing. What's that smell? Remember, remember this last scene in Fight Club where Brad Pitt standing there goes, What's that smell? Anyway, he falls over dead. But it's like that. It's like you gotta you gotta shove the and and then you know after the first few times you do that, it's really scary. When you monkey wrench your own bullshit generator, it's really scary because who are you if you don't have the bullshit that you're so familiar with? But once you do it a few times, it becomes this uh, a kind of a crazy celebration. It's like, ah, victory. It's a victory over bullshit. It's just like, it's to take the generator apart, just cram the, as soon as it starts coming up, you go, this is bullshit. And you just stick the wrench and the crumb blows up the machine and the, this piece is flying everywhere. You, you have to wait till the dust settles. You have to wait till the smoke goes away and clears out. You can start breathing freely again. The world looks different, you know? The thing, the structures, the boxes, the obstacles that were in your way, things you have to have, the things you can't be, like all this stuff is in the way. And after you, when, when you blow these pieces up, there's this, it's a new, a new vista, hasta la vista. That's what Arnold Schwarzenegger says in the, <laughs> sorry. Okay, all right. So, Mark, how's that? I wasn't referring to reincarnation, but the, what were you saying? Though you said it, it was what, inherent what in the question. What I wanted to know was that you were distinguishing the archiarchy from that part of me that is the container, as you defined it. 
that wears everything else as a glove, so to speak. The being. The being. Yeah. Okay. So, and my belief is that the being actually will go someplace else, and it's a timeless, spaceless place. That's just my own belief from <laughs> my own readings. Otherwise, otherwise, what you're saying is that we're squirrels, and once we die, done. And my point I'm is, saying, what's the point of that? I'm saying, what's a belief? The belief is that there... So what is a belief? What is a belief? The formation of fragments of information. Not necessarily, because there's all kinds of fragments of information formed all over the place, like advertising or... The ones you hold on to then. But, but I do hold on to things like like this is a beat book. This is a beat book, but I'm not, I don't believe that this is a beat book. I do not believe that this is a beat book. I don't believe it. I'm just holding it. I write in it, but I don't believe it. You just accept it as it is. No, I declare what it is. I'm not accepting that this is a because somebody would have had to tell me then that this was a beat book and I would have to accept it or believe it. I don't. I choose. I get to decide that this is a beat book. I declare that there's a part of me that when my body dies will exist in some form that I have no idea what it'll look like. And okay. I doubt it will reincarnate. Yeah, but why? Why do you declare that? Because otherwise, this existence becomes... No, wait, 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 wait. The otherwise, there's a feeling there. There's an emotion of feeling. What is it? What's the feeling? Sadness and fear. Yeah. <clears throat> so that fear, have you had it before? Yes. So it's not a feeling, it's an emotion. Therefore, it's a gateway, a doorway to an emotional healing process that could be mighty interesting. Could be a really interesting emotional healing process. Why the hell not just go do it? Do what? that fear get bigger, huh? Ah, do the emotional healing process, got it. Yeah. I guess the question Fun. is, what's the purpose? Fun. Fun. Okay. Evolution. I don't know. Discovery. I mean, that's what emotions are for. They're for, you know, they, they're gateways to emotion. There's healing processes. So anyway, that's cool that you could sense it was fear behind the belief and, you know, follow the fear back and, and see what happens. And there's no point, you know, there's no point to evolution. It's a hobby. It's like there's this path. I mean, you're going to evolve at the speed of organic evolution, whether you like it or not. And most, and the, usually the speed of evolution is relatively slow. You know, you kind of work your way from McDonald's up to Burger King, and that's the evolution of one lifetime, something like that. So, you know, 
it's just it's gradual but but doing this sort of kinds of space that we're in right now or the kinds of processes that you can do in an expand the box training or possibility team your your spark experiment group or anything any of those kind of things will move you on the path of evolution a little faster than the ordinary speed of evolution and so you yeah, but why do that because then you kind of move ahead of your crowd you know the people you graduated from high school with you if you look back at the people that you graduated from high school with, how many how many of you still have your friend circle from high school? Does anybody still have their friend circle from high school? Dorothea and Gina and Callista. Well, and Arena. I'm in bad territory right now. Okay, I will I will stop talking. I mean, there's you know. So maybe those people have moved along their evolutionary path, kind of. Maybe you guys already had a group or a team or something like that where you could stay together. I haven't not met so many people that are still hanging out with their high school friends. And it's not a good or bad or right or wrong thing. It's just about this evolution that we were talking about before. If somebody else has, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I still having uh, these people around me or in a chat, but not exactly that I'm engaged or connected with them. Last time that I saw them, I felt this gap between them and my evolution, I guess, is like that. So they are around, but I'm not connected with them. Yeah, that's what I meant was the you know, the connection thing. It's like, how is there, is there a reciprocal feeding exchange that's mutually beneficial between you and your and your high school friends? It was like that. So then, thank you. Gina, what about you? Um, yeah, probably the same for me. I see these people and I have a connection with them but it's not as deep as I have with some new people who I feel more in alignment with at this point in my life thank you I mean so to what do you attribute that how do you explain that to yourself um think that we just have different interests and um, are learning about different aspects of ourselves. And so we work to keep the connection um, strong enough to maintain a friendship, but we don't see each other so often. So it's, um, it's like, but maybe if we did see each other more often, it wouldn't, maybe we wouldn't be friends because we would mm. figure out that we like didn't have as much in common anymore. Hmm. Thank you. Dorothea, what about you? Um, so these, some of that people are really people who just speak to my heart. It's really a heart-to-heart -heart connection. And um, I'm kind of proud on me that I could find them in the mess of school context where was a lot of 
gremlin behavior and shit and ego and I don't know it was really school was not my place and the people I found there I'm I'm still feel really connected and they are very special so yeah thank you Does somebody else have any anything bubbling up right now? Michael, you're kind of you carrying something, Michael. You want to say what that is? I I sometimes still meet with those with a group of friends from, from university. And it's one of the most interesting culture to culture meetings that I have because those people evolved so so differently than I do that it's it's intense navigating those spaces because we are we don't have the same language anymore we don't have the same hobbies anymore and on the one hand it makes me sad to to see this gap on the other hand it makes me angry because it's not, it doesn't feel like an evolutionary space because it's a lot about just exchanging ideas without having this, like you, like you said in the beginning, there's, there's meetings with a, a, a similar kind of matrix where, where growing can happen in a conversation. And this is, this meetings with my old friends is not really a place for, for growing matrix often more of it feels like a place of, of chit chatter or gossiping or remembering or nostalgia mm. so i'm i'm again I, I i sense myself struggling a bit with with those old friends sometimes i leave the chat groups and try to push them away and sometimes i'm, I'm really happy like last week one of them became father and we had suddenly <laughs> this possibility of having a deeper talk about becoming father he could show me how he how he's doing and, and i could see him so mm. I, I'm, I'm i'm a bit struggling with those those relationships that i do not really see the same matrix in yeah thank you i was i was just thinking maybe how rare it might be or precious it might be to be actually talking about this because the pain of different speeds of evolution or different domains of evolution where where people you know you might sort of forces you can you can force you apart you know if you're interested in this and they're interested in that and you're both evolving but they're different pat they're different you know that will take you away from the possibility of intimacy it takes away the intimacy and that's painful you know where before that was intimate and then over here and you know you can be interested but it just doesn't turn you on or whatever but i, I think it's valuable to keep that conversation going in your different groups. I mean, I remember in Australia with my first wife, 
we were working jobs in Australia to make enough money to travel further around the world. It was a around the world kind of journey. We had six months to make as much money as we could. And, and then in a, in a free time, whatever, I've by coincidence found this a Gurdjieff group and my wife at the time found was turned on by a yoga group. And so on Thursday nights, she would go to her yoga class and I would go to this Gurdjieff group. And after two weeks, my wife just looked at me and says, I have to come to your Gurdjieff group. And I said, why is that? And she said, because you're changing. Because I've, you know, I've seen you do whatever you do and they've all been sort of pointless, but this Gurdjieff group thing that you're in, the whatever you're doing, you're changing. So I need to go with you. Or we would have separated too far. She would be doing yoga and I'd be doing this Gurdjieff kind of work. And so this is a real thing. And I think it's valuable to, to consider it. I mean, there was a point, I'll tell this other story with this same woman, uh, we were we were in this quote unquote spiritual school with with a teacher in Northern California, and he's this wild guy, and I loved it. I loved it. It was feeding me. It was wild. It was magic, transformation. And at one one meeting, Lee Lazowicz showed up, and my wife instantly fell in love with Lee Lazowicz as her teacher and so she, it was clear she was going to go and he lived in arizona not in california so this was going to be one of these splits a really huge split and so i had to decide do i stick with this guy in northern california and and she goes off with a guy in arizona or how what else and so i really had to go look inside of myself and these two guys the two teacher guys were friends and they the highest caliber and I, I go I it doesn't matter to me you know I'm just a, I'm just a student you know I'm just a student anyway and they're going to run me through the mill and do whatever's necessary to help me grow up and pay more attention so I just said I'm going with the guy in Arizona I'm going with Lee Lazowick and then you know, we left we left the guy in Northern California and it, I'm glad I you know it was a huge life decision it was, uh, but it, but it, we were able to stay together and do a lot of work together and intimacy and create a lot of stuff. And so I don't know, these are huge life decisions to make based on this evolutionary forces that work in our lives. And, and when we try to manage how our relating, you know, our partner, our intimacy, we try to manage this and control it in a way that makes sense to our box and our mind and our gremlin and our mom and our dad and society, if we try to make sense of it, it takes us out of the flow of, of the real paths. I mean, the real possibilities that we have when we're working with what, what I've been calling the earth coincidence control office or our archetypal lineage has, has, directions it can move us in if we do not have too much baggage if we have not hammered these stakes into the ground you know and tied ourselves to these ropes on the stakes so we're not moving from this thing if we if we hammer ourselves down and hold us down 
and Echo comes and wants to move us, it cannot. It has to go pick somebody else to fill in the roles. And in anyway, if people ask me my opinion about that, it's my opinion that you're going to have a more interesting life if you if you lighten up your baggage and pull out your stakes and let yourself get moved easier in this evolutionary flow so you can actually be in service of the evolutionary forces at work on the planet and be at service to them rather than trying to force them to serve you. Thank you, employee. You know, like that. So you can, I'm sure you had, there's this, can sense this struggle going on inside of, you know, I've got a house, I have air and light and time and space, you know, finally I can write my book or whatever. And, and then there's these forces that call you somewhere else and you, you go, no, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to, you just lock yourself down and years go by and you probably don't write the book because you've got all this other defensive stuff going on. You're not in the flow. And so I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but um, okay. Thank you. So it's it's useful. It's useful to have this perspective on how things are working out there that are different from what's being shown to us on the evening news and in the newspaper, you know, and all these internet platforms that are telling us what's going on, you know, it's interesting to have kind of a sim simplified, fundamental, alchemical understanding of immediate alchemical. How does that work? How is that working in my world? Immediate alchemical process. And this, and then when you be, and that starts making sense to you because you've seen it working in your life. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, you see it before breakfast, you see it during breakfast, you see it after breakfast, like it's really real stuff. Then you can relax and breathe easier and radically rely on these huge forces that are that want us to be ourselves, that want us to be in this evolutionary flow that's natural to a human being and also to each of us individually. And so it, this kind of reliance, it isn't not, it's not a belief, it is not a fantasy world, it's not obeying, you know, it's not following rules. It's it's very it's practical and it's based on you know sensing the sensing the experience of it. You sense you know, you're doing little experiments, you go, you try this and it does that, and you try this and it does that, and you go, ah. Okay, I'm getting how this works. You do that, and you just like let these experiments inform you, and you and you have this relating going on, almost a conversation going on with your archetypal lineage, with your bright principles, with your the Earth coincidence control office, you know, with these forces of evolution at work, and you just have this uh, kind of you make you negotiate, you make these agreements. You go, okay, and. I'm, I can see that since last week we had the we were at, we made it through question seven. I'm on page uh, two hundred and eleven, I think, in the book, and it's uh, question eight is the next question. I can just see the first words of it, which says, "Ordinary human relationships." 
involve a kind of mutual vampire feeding. I'll just say that again. Ordinary human relationship, ordinary human relating involves a kind of mutual vampire feeding. So the word vampire means taking energy, sucking out energy from another. That's what that means. And mutual feeding means you have the kind of relating is you have two vampires biting each other's neck. So one sucks blood out of the other one, the other one's sucking blood out of you. And this is mutual agreement to suck the blood out of each other, thinking that you're, you'll get enough blood to survive, but you're losing as much blood as you're giving. So that's the illusion. It goes on and says, I will do this for you if you do that for me. Right? It's this kind of has to be balanced. It has to be, it's neurotic, this kind of neurosis thing. These, this kind of relating does not rise above the ordinary. It stays in the ordinary domain because it needs to be fair. Like if you're not getting enough blood out of your partner, then you go, you get weak or whatever. So and if they don't get enough blood out of you, they get weak. So the balance of blood has, there's only so much blood. Like you're not creating stuff together. You're not together creating for the world. You're not there creating as, you're not being a source. You're being a vampire. You're, you're, you're consuming each other. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This kind of, okay. So this is the ordinary world of relating. And and to to submit to that, it's, it's a desperate move. And it never moves beyond ordinary. Whatever you provide for your partner, you so this is the this is the experiment. These are 27 experiments for creating extraordinary relating. And what the, what the experiment is, the experiment is whatever you provide for your partner, do not make them pay. Do not make them balance it out. Do not make it be equal or fair. It's not a, so this is about provide extraordinary love for them. You know, this is this, it's not blood. This is not the, this is light, whatever. It's a different substance. You feed them a different substance for free. Provide extraordinary, an abundance of extraordinary love for free, as if you had an infinitely inexhaustible supply. So we're so afraid of running out, you know, this desperate kind of, I can't, I can't be generous with you. I can't be kind with you. I can't be, I can't radiate for your benefit can't shine for your benefit because it's an imbalance. You don't shine for me or I might run out. And that's this experiment is, is, to, is to move out of the mutual vampire domain. Like you move out of that by supplying blood, but it's like high level, whatever, energy, love, positive possibilities, joy, playfulness, that you supply that in an infinite, inexhaustible supply, and it's not fair. That's the experiment. And you, and you, um, it's, 
you know, we've been talking the whole time about, you know, once you centered, grounded, bubbled, the next thing is call in your bright principles. Okay, as soon as you call in your bright principles, you are jacked into an infinite supply of consciousness, of awareness, of energy, of love. As soon as you call in your bright principles, you're tapped into the archetypal resources, inexhaustible resources. And you you can suck those bright principles into your space, you know, by the gigaton. You just suck them down and they will never deplete, cannot be depleted because the universe is made out of that stuff. Where's it going to go? It cannot go anywhere. Even if it transforms or not going to go anywhere. You cannot run out with that stuff. So it's a completely different world of relating when you you know that you're allowing, you're surfing, you're flooding your, your relations, you're relating, you're flooding your relating with infinitely inexhaustible resources as a, as play. And it does. And so the whole idea of trying to, that you're going to run out that is scarce or I don't know. I think, I think if you actually do the emotional healing process about this, you will discover a kind of fear of being overwhelmed or, or rubbed out like that your identity will be replaced by this flood of Radiant joy, brilliant love, possibility, you know, kindness. Like if this kind of stuff is flowing through you, <clears throat> where's your ordinary normal neurotic self going to be after that? Like where, where is your identity as a crippled, unhealed, wounded child going to be? Where, where will that go? And the answer is it will go where it belongs, which is in your past. That's where it will go. It will, it will be replaced. It will be extinguished. It'll be, it's almost like you're so familiar, like each of us we're, we're, with this wounded child thing. That's like, we're so familiar with having <clears throat> been wounded. Like we're carrying like this open bleeding wound and we go, okay, this is who I am. This is what I'm capable of. This is my, is in my capacity and we're protecting our wound because we didn't know anything else. But what I'm saying is what this is about when you, when you call in your bright principles, center grounded, bubbled, bright principles. And then you're relating with somebody else as that there's your wound is gone. Oh my God. Then who am I? Where's my little wounded person story? How can I manipulate them to be nice to me? Or how can I to care for me or regard me as, you know, that somebody needy enough to have their attention? How am I going to manipulate people to give me their attention if I'm not wounded? Are you guys getting this? Because this is really important central stuff to entering these or extraordinary and archetypal domains is to let those infinite resources flood away. Like, I don't know, you see these movies sometimes lately, especially where somebody has some, you know, vicious wound 
and uh, the, the new guard. And Chloe watched that, the old guard or the new guard. We watched that movie. Old and guard. It, you know, people, old guard is called old guard. Yeah. And it has the, uh, who's in it? Uh, Sharon Stone? Sharon Stone? Is that her? Really? I think ah. so. Okay. Anyway, these people get these horrible, like broken bones and everything, cuts and slashes. And then, and then you just see them heal like that. And every, everybody goes, ah, this is science fiction. You know, I'm a doctor. It takes months to heal this kind of stuff. You know, it like cannot happen like that. And so we're really convinced it's just Hollywood shit going on. What I'm saying is in the energetic domain in the emotional, psycho, emotional domain, it's just exactly like that. As soon as you let the, bright principles or your archetypal lineage flow into your space and work through you, that old childhood wound thing just, just gets, gets turned back into the pristine, brilliant, you know, tender, completely healed. No, no revenge, no scar, no, no, to call them the uh, virtual pains, you know, none of this, ghost pains, none of that stuff. It just gets washed away. And, it, and it's like, well, then you, then you don't know who you are. So this is where the emotional healing process is really valuable, is to go, is to grieve, like how long you've been holding on to this wounded, you know, needy, you have to protect me. I'm a tender person. You know, I've been broken. I, like, You've been holding on to this for so long as if it is who you are. And it's like, this is what the initiatory process is about. The adulthood initiatory process is to let, is to tap into and experience directly what it feels like in your centered, grounded, bubbled space to have your bright principles come through and just, just take, and then all of a sudden you can be generous. You can be more generous. And you're not exhausting yourself because it does not belong to you. The stuff is not yours. You're not using up yourself. These are infinite resources that you just need to get out of the way and let them come through. And you can, you can, the thing is, the bright principles, for example, cannot function in the world without a pipe, without a faucet, without. The bright principles don't have hands, they don't have eyes, they don't have a mouth, they don't have a voice, they don't, they can't, they cannot do what you can do in the physical world. So for the bright principles to be able to interact with the physical world, they need a human being, they need a body, they need a person. That's you. So if you make this deal, I'm going to be the space through which these certain bright principles can do their work in the world, in my life. The bright principles are just ecstatic and they will they will leak 10%, something like that, just for you into your world. They will give you like there's this amazing amount of coincidences or good luck or good fortune or or amazing little meeting the right person at the right time or getting out of the way at the right time or knowing when to get out, like all these things, just a coincidence, because they need you. Bright principles need you. So there's this infinite resources on your side. What's what's bad about that? I mean, the stuff is so straightforward. 
but it's experiential. It's not, there's no belief involved. So you do these experiments. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn left or right or do this or that, or I'm going to decide this or that based on how my how the bright principles move me, which is not your mind, it's not your box, it's not an idea, it's not a concept. So so you, you need some practice to get out of the way enough for these things to start working and you do these little experiments. What I'm saying is, if it is not okay for you to let go of your wounded identity, you can keep wounding yourself. You can keep over and over again, holding on to the wound and looking in the mirror and go, my dad, you know, did whatever, or my teacher did not do whatever, you know, and my sister did this, and you can keep looking at your these stories and just like the script, you keep reprogramming the script. And then the bright principles are sitting there going, I just healed that yesterday. Now you're going to do it again to yourself. I mean, come on, I mean, God, I'm going to go find somebody else. You know, like, look, get off it. Like, just get off it. Like, let the miracle, like, let it go through and just put it in your past. Like, of course it happened to you. Shit happened to every one of us. And you cannot change what happened to you in your past. And you can change your relationship to what happened to you in your past. You can change your relationship to it, which means let the fuck go. Like, let, get off it. Like, let let the right principles wash it away. And it, it doesn't take more than a few seconds. And it would be like that for the rest of your life. And you, like, this is not about believing this. There's no belief involved. This is a direct, it's physics. And you can, and you can experience it. So I know I'm kind of being fanatical, but it's amazingly cool stuff, I think. Any questions or comments about that? Thank you, Mikhail. Yeah, me too. I do the same thing, yes. <laughs> it happened to me. <laughs> Somebody, anybody want to share something about that? Kalista, go ahead. Um, in the last couple of weeks, uh, there's been a transformation that I've noticed inside myself. I uh, <laughs> I discovered that I have, I'm going to label it PTSD that in my childhood, I had things that I had to deal with. And that now I can see where my child ego is reacting or responding to that. And I can stop and say, ah, oh, that's being I'm dealing with the past again, so let go. This is now. This is new relationships. This is new, and it's been very helpful. Thank you. 
And Chloe, are you there? Yes, I, I'm. I'm advertising. Um, <laughs> that I mean, one of the ways to really have a chance or an opportunity to be the space for bright principles is to hold space for other people. And and so yes, in a space of relating, as we're talking now, you're holding space for a space of relating. And at the same time, a lot of you have really huge beings, which also means you have huge gremlins. And and um, and so probably your bright principles need a bigger necessity, like a bigger vacuum across from you than just a mm. space of relating to work in. And 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 to try to make your partner into your client or your um, guinea pig of evolution just usually really does not work. I mean, I highly recommend this sort of a side note, but don't do emotional healing process with your partner. This is not what the space of relating is for. You you have a team, build a team of people who you can do emotional healing processes with. And you do that outside so that your space of relating is not filled with process. Otherwise you have a process space instead of relating a relating space. And, and yes, sometimes, um, you know, there's some completion that needs to happen or sometimes just one of you just needs to cry for 15 minutes or 20 minutes and okay, but that, and it's not what I'm talking about. That's not an emotional healing process. That's being with each other. Um, so, but this whole thing about shifting your identity, like your relationship to the world as a space holder, where it's like Clinton was talking about in the in the beginning. I think it was when you're holding space as a, when you're relating to the world as a space holder, then then you're holding space. Then you it's like what then why are you having these beliefs or why are you having these stories or why are you having these reactions? It's like the space has a purpose. The space has a context, and the bullshit gets crushed against. The, the context of w- what kind of space are you holding? And if you're saying, well, I'm, I'm holding space, you know, for, I'm holding space for adult, I'm holding space for extraordinary relating, then your, your child mind react, you know, neurotic reactionary bullshit will crash against that. And so, and that's true in a, in a relating space. Um, and at the same time, this, this this thing that will burn through this wounded neurotic self that Clinton you were talking about, I think it's so true when you, you're holding space for a bigger circle, and then you have this necessity in this vacuum across. And I, I was, you know, I I notice on my own path of evolution is like so much of my healing or transformation only happens because I'm a space holder. And it's like I, I, I can feel I don't need to go through so many emotional healing processes because every emotional healing process that I hold space for, or any rage club or rage club spaceholder training or work talk or anything, it's like it burns through this, uh, all the baggage or all the heaviness, all the neuroticism that would be in the way of me being a spaceholder for that, for that, and it's and then I can just, yeah, just let it go into the past. So. I 
in terms of that experiment of being a space for your bright principles, I would I would really encourage you to start or continue at wherever you are on this path of being a space holder for a group of people, for your circle. And Claire, will you tell a story of what we were talking about today? You were mentioning how you're noticing a difference kind of half and half in your Rage Club space holder team of people who have whatever shifted and people who have not. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, that would be an experiment or it's sort of in terms of scanning. You were also talking about this, Clinton, like the you can we can scan for the matrix. We can scan for the awareness. And so I'm holding space for this Rage Club spaceholder training and it's obvious of just how people are present in the space. There's about half of the people who have a circle and who are accountable to that circle. And so they're in the Rage Club spaceholder training, not for themselves. It's they it's already like 35 people, right? There's yeah, about almost 40, yeah, 38 or something like that. And so and so it's like there's already um it's like a funnel of it, it's this is not it's not gonna land just in me. It's like it's gonna go in me for, for the people in my circle. And so mm, yeah, it's like a then there's a professionalism or there's a uh a discipline or a wish, like a, a movement, a commitment that comes not from I have to do it because then it I would be a good student or Ankle will like me or people will love me in this team. It's like, God, that's so irrelevant in the face of I'm holding space for an introduction to Rich Club for 10 or 15 people, and these people need you know, I'm going to give them the best stuff I can. So I don't know. Was that what you were talking about? Or? Well, you were, if you were, what we're talking about is, okay, are you going to let the bright principles come in your space? Are you going to call them in and let them actually cause transformational healing mm -hmm. and bring you into adulthood? Are you going to do that or not? And what's the difference between the people who do and the ones who don't yet? What is? Well, I can I can throw out guesses. I mean, there's something about um, what's what's in the driver's seat of your life. What you know? What is your life about? Like, what's your game plan? What's your game plan? Mm -hmm. What what do you? It, it's sort of when you were saying it. Where do you think you're going? You know, you're trying to yeah. be in light. You're trying to be enlightened tomorrow. What are you going to do with that? I mean, so what's the and I think it's a, a worthy question to investigate. It's like, wh what are you going to do with all this, with all your evolution? And and I think it's this thing of, in a way, it's like your evolution is not for you. Yes, it's very fun. Yes, it's a great hobby. Yes, your life gets really better. Like there's a lot less reaction. Like reaction, there's a lot less conflict. You know, you have synchronicity happening in your life. You're having a great time. Okay. And at the same time, if you do it for that, it's going to be pretty much, you're going to hit a wall pretty soon. And so. Um, you mean doing it for yourself. Yeah. Doing it for yourself to get a better life. 
try to get mm. a better life or get more money or get more fame or get more status or get more and mm, I mean I I often maybe not often enough but I remember when I started in possibility management and for the first two years of possibility management, I worked for free because I loved this game world. It was like, I just loved it and it was fun. And it, so I, I translated spark for free. I send out spark every week for free. I send out possibility management newsletter. I, I started a Facebook page. I uh, started a Facebook group. I started a trainer path. I, because, because it was, because it was so great, like, because I, mm, I don't know how to say this. And, but what I mean is that this is how I build my circle. I build my circle because I was in enthusiastic. I was so enthusiastic about the possibility that it would offer people. And, and so, and I, and then there's this, there's this ecstasy in that generosity. I mean, that's the experiment of the 27 experiment is be generous with your love. Like be generous with your clarity. Be generous with your uh, ability to connect. Like be generous with mm, your path. Like whatever you've learned on your path. And if you, if you, if there's any block to your generosity, I would check it out with one or multiple emotional healing process. Really about, you know, if I, you know. If, old thought were from modern culture of if they have it, then I can't have it. This is scarcity. If they have it, I can't have it. Or, or if they're, they'll, if I actually show it, then they'll steal it from me. They'll steal it from mm -hmm. me. And then I'll be left in the dust and they'll get all the fame and all the riches and all the, and, and those are, you know, whatever, past life process, old thought wear, stuff that we got from our parents. And I, I wanted to, Anna Maria, what's what's going on? I'm feeling a lot of sadness um, since you started talking about being generous with love and with the clarity and this ability to connect. And it's... Um, probably is an emotional healing process about it for the story that i it comes with it is that there is no place where i can put it yeah would you ask for that process now will you ask for a couple of people to hold space for you for that Doesn't yes you? would someone uh, be willing to hold space for me to do the emotional healing on this sadness about being generous I see Emma. Ava Daubert, Isabel, Ava, Isa, Isabel, and Dor. Thank you. Time. I'm writing mm -hmm. down. I mean, I. It, it seems to me that one of the things that I hear most about holding space or being, you know, having clarity is, um, I I'm too much, I'm too much, I'm too intense. Other people don't want to hear all this. You know, and and then the, then your perspective is that you have to fight against some kind of wall or some kind of force against you, know. you 
what? You don't fit in. It's like no place for you. You're like, where yeah, but are you it's gonna be. Yeah, and what I'm the offering is, um, instead of looking at it as I'm too much, the shift would be, I'm gonna do this experiment of being generous. And instead of looking at what's coming, you know, in, in your face, it's more what's coming through you, what's coming out of you. And does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah. You remember, there's this thing that we figured out where a lot of us, one of the disorientations that we got from this downpouring of the Dharma from the East about enlightenment and everything is that when, when our bright principles start coming into our space, our tendency is, because mm. we're untrained, our tendency is to turn around and put our attention on the bright principles. And, you know, you know, bow down or whatever, you know, break principles, wow, you know, all this stuff. And it's a completely opposite orientation than what's useful. Because what for one hand, on the one side, you know, the energy is going this way from your break principles into your into your world, into your space, into your game worlds, into your life, your kids, your family, your partner, your projects is coming in. And if you turn around and start putting energy back up that way it stops the whole thing it blocks it and and so it's so huh? i just want to say it's instead of being enlightened which is you get the light on you you get backlighted <laughs> you want to be backlighted yeah, so, that's the thing. so turn around turn around away from it's it's totally different teaching from the east you know of praising the light or whatever this turn around and let it go through you. And then all of a sudden, what you're looking at is all the places that need that stuff. You know, your neighbor, the dog, the, you know, the, the people, your kids, the your partner, your clients, the project, people across the street, like the, this whole, there's all these places that need that stuff. And then you're serving the purposes of the bright principles when you go up here and you look at it, you're serving your own purposes. This is about you. It's all about shining on you. This thing, it's all about, this is like that. You And turn around and put it, like let it go through you. And then it's all about serving other people, serving the world, serving space, serving your game world. This is such a big difference. I mean, so, so one experiment could be even you go to a cafe, you go to a meeting, you go and you, you choose one of your bright principles or you go on the bright principle website yeah. if you haven't um, distilled your bright principle and kind of feel into what in which with what kind of bright principles you have resonance with. And you and you choose one and then you, you sit at the meeting or you sit at the cafe and you source that bright principle. You just become you, you, the tunnel. Let it go through yeah, you. Yeah, let it go through you. You're not, yeah, you're not, it's not coming from you, it's going through you. So in sourcing, it means you're jacked into the source of that bright principle, and it's just going right through. And in terms, it doesn't mean that you, it doesn't necessarily comes through word. 
some of it will come forward, but it doesn't necessarily, but it's like that you have a part of your attention, uh, you know, and it might be 10, 15, 20% of your attention, which is a lot, but keep that much attention on, I am sourcing love in this cafe. So I, just a story we discovered a few uh, years ago is Clinton that every time we walk into a cafe, we usually trying to find the cafe that are pretty empty. So, so we can ask for the music to be turned off because we don't want the music on boom, boom music. And then we can have, we can talk actually. So we go into these cafes that are empty and five, 10 minutes after we sit down, the cafe is full. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and we just did this experiment like over and over and over again. And so we were, we, we decided that we might ask for when we sit at a cafe and say, okay, we, we need to, you need to feed us for free because you'll have all these people that are going to come because because we're sourcing you know love possibility clarity transformation high level fun we're sourcing that in in the space. space and people and are attracted people are they go by and they're attract, attracted to that so so that would be that's the experiment is it's, it would be confirmation that you're doing the experiment of letting the bright principles go through you being generous you know calling one particular bright principle and every place you're moving your attention, it flows there. And then when people, more people start showing up, you, it's working. You can put in your matrix points, your matrix code in the start over game. <laughs> and I, and I wanted to say that the, the pitfall or whatever the, the, the fooling yourself about this generosity is to think that we, have to be okay that being a source of bright principle being generous with our partner to being generous with our circle means that we have to be okay which you know into some degree would mean that we don't go into liquid state or into breakdown or into grieving or into and that's not what it means that would be this fake uh whatever enlightened you know oh i'm every you know i'm okay i'm i'm always I don't know how to say it. It's like this fake happy person. And it's really yeah. not to do that. What? Yeah, it's like there's a belief or a new age, something you write on your refrigerator. It says, you know, you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else. And it, and this is such a confusing uh Mantra, yeah. Well, I don't, I'm, it's confusing because where is that self that you're going to love? Show it to me. You, where is it? You prove to me that you love yourself. Show me. You know, if I if I love my beat book, you know, then I write stuff in it. I can show you on my page, whatever. You know, I've got all this great stuff in it. It's you know, I can prove I love whatever. But, but prove, you know, show me the self that you love before you can love other people. This is just such crap. It's really a mind fuck. And, and so if you have that, you really let it, let it flush down the toilet. It is such a confusing thing. Because, um, and Chloe, I'm going to read, I want to do experiment number nine. Well, next can, experiment. I, can I yeah. say something? So I just wanted to say that even in your breakdowns, even in your grieving process, even in your liquid state, you can still be generous. 
And so it next time you find yourself in this uh whatever liquid state, I don't know how to say it differently, like breakdown or or pain or realization, try to keep a part of your attention where you can still be generous through your bright principle. You can still be connected. You can still um hold space you can still hold space for your yeah. space of relating and it, for your circle because you're not using up your energy it's not your energy you're letting you're using you're using the energy of the bright principle it is not yours which, which on the one hand is you get all this energy this incredible energy available to you and none of it is yours it's like oh my god i can't hold on to it you know i can't have it or keep it or name it. It's not mine. Of course not. It's energy. It's, I've heard it over and over, this saying about uh, from the Bedouins in the North African deserts. You know, you grab a handful of sand and, and, and if you hold your hand closed, that's all the, that's all the sand you can hold. There's a little tiny bit in your hand. But if you, hand your, if you have your hand open, all the sand of the desert can go through your hands. You just can't have any of it. But you know the immense amount of difference between this little bit of sand that you're holding onto or the whole desert that goes through your hands. So it's, it's just about a different relationship to, to that. So I wanted to read experiment number nine because this relates to this. It says, take care of your energetic body. Make it so that you have a surplus of energy for your partner in your life, rather than being trying to get energy from them, rather than being a drag or a burden on your partner. You know, like take care of me or something. So flow energy through your partner rather than wanting them to flow energy to you. And the reason from this is really obvious because if you're waiting around for somebody to flow energy to you, you don't have energy. There's no energy there. But if you're flowing energy to somebody else, it, you're full of energy. You get the difference? It's this it's an amazing thing that human beings do. Like here you have this guy and this girl and they're walking down through the park and the woman is going, God, why doesn't he hold my hand? I just wish he would hold my hand. And you move your hand over, you know, and you kind of are right there and the hands are, my hand is there. You could just hold my hand. Why doesn't he hold my hand? And the whole time you're in this victimy, this like lack, the deprecation of not having your hand held, you know, and you go for a half hour and you, at the end, you know, you just go, God, didn't even hold my, you know, and all you have to do is hold his hand. I mean, he holds your hand or you hold his hand. Like, what's the difference? I mean, your hand gets held if you do it. And if you don't do it, it doesn't get held. It's like that. So we're so in this messed up world. So it's so straightforward. So flow energy to your partner rather than wanting them to flow energy to you. There may be times when you ask your partner to listen to your pain, but do not make their listening to your pain the main meal in your relating. 
It's just like Aunt Chloe just said. It's of course they have to hold you when you cry sometimes, but it's not your main interaction. It's not your main intimacy. Your partner is not mommy or daddy. When you need them to listen to your pain, you ask if you can share something with them and say that you do not expect them to do anything about it, just to be with you. Straightforward. You just have to say that. Please just be with me. I want to. If you do want them to do something, then just be specific and say exactly what you want. So will you bring me a glass of warm milk? Would you hold me tighter, please? Would you get the kids into bed tonight? Whatever the exact thing is, be clear and specific. But it's not about manipulating your partner. Don't they won't be manipulated into action by your victim's story? You know, if you can be a victim enough, like I used to play a game in early on, and before I knew any of this stuff, I was playing this game. My life is worse than your life. I was playing this with my it was a competition to see had who had the worst day. That was our and whoever had the worst day won because then the other person had to take care of them, something like that. What a horrible thing. God. I can't tell you how many years I spent doing it. Okay. That was ex experiment number nine, is really flow the energy to them. And then you've got energy. I, Mikhail, I saw that you had your hand up. I just want to say it's also to, on the other side, to not play the game of trying to guess what your partner wants. Because then you immediately mm -hmm. set the space where then you're both guessing instead of asking each other. And so it's also to refuse to be manipulated and being, if you want to ask me something, ask me. And then, and then it sets up a, a context or ne negotiate intimacy about that. And finally you can relax instead of try to be like, what do they want? You know, what, what did I do wrong? Or what, what did I not do? Or it's like crazy. It's just crazy making. Mikael, you wanted to say something? No, it was just about showing that I'm I'm aware of as well the situation Clinton mentioned uh, in in having this competition about how bad can a baby, mm. as well as as what you just mentioned. Thanks for bringing this into the into the space of the the guessing. That is, I know that mechanism of just guessing. Hey, there is something, and trying to do something something about it because I'm not told what what actually is needed mm -hmm. by, by my opposite or partner or whatever. Yeah, it was just Thank like, you. I know Thank about you. It. Okay. Any questions or comments from anybody sharing right now? Uh, Laura, I see you have a red lamp over your left shoulder. That's a definite signal that you should say something. Because we we because it's the same color as my grounding cord. It's the same color as the red in my shirt. So go ahead. Hmm. I feel a bit afraid because it's my first time speaking into this group. Yeah, we, we always do that to the first time people. Mm. You get it over with. You just get it over with. 
So. Um, I'd like, I'd like to share, I can share some gold from my week. Uh, <laughs> mm. I realized so during a um emotional healing process um I realized how grateful I feel to have found this team and how long I've um, I feel like I've been I've been looking for a team like this where people are wanting to feel and there's a space for me to, for me to feel um, fully what's what's going on inside and so I I feel um, I'm grateful to be here and um, thank you Clinton for asking uh, for inviting me to speak. And then suddenly I'm just re really aware of all of your faces. It can be pretty overwhelming actually to be seen by this many really wonderful people. And just try to let it in. Really just try to let it in. <laughs> A lot of times when we're meeting like this, on the screen, I really wish we could meet in person because it's even more palpable sense of, and you can really get that these people here really are there. They're really there and they're really being with you exactly where you are. And it's such a precious, rare thing. And with such survival in our lives, just to barely get through with barely enough connection. <laughs> I'm trying to let it in, Laura. You're doing super. You just keep looking in their eyes and just let it in and let it feed you. Just let it. We've all been there. Really been there. I've been there. Been there. It's exactly. And just let it in. It's all. It's not. Just keep breathing. Just keep breathing. Keep your eyes open. Keep letting it in. Really kind of get a little closer to the screen. <laughs> really, come here a little closer. Come on. A little closer. It's great. Look at that. Keep breathing, just keep breathing. <laughs> mm. 
Thank you. Mm, thank you. <laughs> you, have to into, you have to let all these little sparkly things come in too. Andrea, would you like to say something? Yes, thank you. Um, I feel that sadness. And I do want to share that this week I've been observing and feeling how I have this uh, very strong defense mechanism of, uh, of cutting the emotional connection I have with some people. And although I've been aware of it for a few months, I'd say, I'm still like very sad to notice how strong it can be. Why do you do it, Andrea? What's the impulse makes you cut off like that? Because I'm scared that they would take it away from me. Take what away? There's um, the intimacy, the presence, the availability, connection. And so it's easier to just cut everything from my side. Is it really easier, actually? No. What experiment could you try about that? Did you say could or did? Could you? What experiment could you try between now and the next meeting about that? You know, that we could try also. Um, the 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 experiment of being generous really lands in me of um, not like cutting my impulses to to share what I feel and to give love and to really be present because I have this uh, yeah I'm like cutting the impulse um, because of the fear that it would not what, how do you how, do you do it with a voice. What's the, how are you cutting the impulse? It's a, it's a thought process of... What does this say? Um, like, it's making expectations about what could happen and what will happen about how they will answer and how I will feel. And, and so what I'm getting a sense that what you're doing is moving your center a little bit into the future. Yeah. Just a few seconds, three seconds or five seconds into the future. And then trying to protect yourself by doing 
So instead, you have no power. You can't do anything five seconds in the future. So then, then you just cut off everything like that. And so one experiment you could do is keep your center really in this now, this now, this one, mm. right there, right? And don't move it out there. Don't, you can't guess. You have no, you cannot guess. You cannot control. You cannot, you don't know what's going to happen, but you can keep your center right with you, right, right here, right with you are where you are. Keep breathing, keep your center right here. You could do that as an experiment. So you, you're, you, you're pulling your tendrils back. You know what I mean? Your tendrils, your, your octopus's legs, you pull mm -hmm. them back. You don't get to go out there and try to manipulate things. You don't get to do that. And you lose your power. So you pull it back, keep breathing, keep your center right here, and just be with that. Like ride on that in, in through your day. Could you do that experiment? Yes, thank okay, you. Keep, yeah, sit on, you know, don't let it go out there. It's going to take, you're going to have to be like a cowboy, a cowgirl. You're going to have to use one of these lassos, you know, and just keep pulling your now back into right where you are. So right here, right now. You know, maybe put your hand right at where your belly is, you know, your center. Just touch that with your hand and go, keep breathing. Here's where I am. Here's where I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay here. And you just keep doing that. And then, then, and then see if you can have the connection, even if you cannot control it. That's the experiment. Thank Try you. That. And I would like to ask a question because it something else lands in me about a process that I've been having this week about um, the struggle that I'm having about making decisions for my future self, which resonates to what you're saying. And my grandmother is like, Yes, that's what we're doing. Like we we're refusing to make decisions for your future self. But I'm I have this strategy and I'm I'm struggling a bit with getting more clarity on really what's happening. Tell us an example of what decision you're working with. Oh, well, this week I was deciding whether to go to Brazil next week. Big decision. Yes. That's a big decision. Yeah. And so wait, just slow down. There's all kinds of different decisions, you know, what to have for lunch, what, how to, to do with your hair. Do I call this person or not? They send a problem. Is it my problem or not my problem? These are all these decisions. Okay. A lot of them are smaller. A lot of them, but going to Brazil is a big decision. So what is the impulse? What's the impulse to go to Brazil? Where does that come from? Um, from I would say from my being and my parent ego state, which is where the struggle is. What's, what is where are you now? In Paris. Paris. And so the parent ego state is saying what? That I should go to Brazil to do an ETB and a lab and bring the bridge house. And Chloe's talked about this a lot before, where she says that many of us try to manipulate ourselves to do what we actually really want to do. Just out of the habit 
of trying to, of because we manipulate ourselves. Are you, it sounds like that's what might be going on. You might be just trying to manipulate yourself to do actually what you really want to do. Yes, and what Chloe said really helped me get clarity on this. And I've noticed that my parent ego state is telling me this and my gremlin is completely reacting. And I'm finding so, myself this uncertainty. Okay, I, what I want to say, the reason I'm saying that is the uncertainty <clears throat> is really appropriate. Because these big decisions, big ones like, you know, like that, do I go to Brazil? You know, do I quit my job? Do I, do I start this project, et cetera? These are big, these are big decisions. And those big decisions come from, the impulse comes from these bigger forces, earth coincidence, control office, you know, all that archetypal lineage, these big forces. And, and the thing is, it will freak our box out. It will freak our gremlin out. You know, it's going to cause some major shift. And so if you know <clears throat> this is a force of nature working behind you, <clears throat> and you know, and then you know your box is going to freak out. Then you can make you put your box over here. You can shrink it down to this ten centimeter cube with your little gremlin over here in your box, and, and you let it freak out. You just let it freak out. You don't try to block it freaking out. You just but you put it over there. You're here. Box is over there. Your box is freaking out, and you stay in touch with the people in Brazil. You know, you and you and your friends, you go, God, my box is freaking out because I'm going to Brazil. My box is freaking out. And you but you're not inside of it. So you don't have to be, and it's a totally appropriate. You know, you don't even know what far, farofa is. Do you know what farofa is? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But what can you do can you get farofa in Paris? No. I mean, do you, no, but in Brazil, you're going to eat farofa every day. They're good, they do everything with farofa. It's this amazing, wild stuff. They just do everything with it. And so it's a whole different world. I mean, they serve food in banana leaves. They don't do that in Paris. You know, there's just so many things are different. The air smells different. It's alive with tropical scents. I mean, anyway, you're, so let your box freak out. You're, let your box freak out and just put have it be over here. You know, keep just walk around with your hand, click your clicker, have your box over there, walk around like this and talk to people, make your plane reservations, pack your stuff, and do whatever you have to do, and just let your box freak out and go, how's it going over there? Freaking out, you know. Go, I'm glad you're freaking out because it's appropriate, it's totally appropriate to let your box freak out about going to Brazil. It's totally appropriate. Let it freak out. It's like, it's a way of, it's a true thing. So really it's, it means you're not crazy. And and don't try to manipulate yourself to do what you really wanna do. Just catch yourself and just, and Chloe, where's the manipulation stuff? Is that on a, a manipulation website or where do we have it? Yeah, it's on the manipulation website. I have it as one of my website to work on in the next days okay. slash weeks yeah, slash so months. Andrea, you can help us. Check out your manipulation. If you see some tricks of how mm -hmm. things, how you're manipulating yourself, write some notes to us, mm -hmm. okay? Because we just need to share it with other people. Mm. Yeah. Or if you figure out some great experiment to do about the manipulation, write, just write it to us because we need it for the website. This is for everybody. If you guys figure out something. 
We have a few minutes left. Is there anybody else want to ask for an emotional healing process from the team here before we shift off? Yeah, Dor? Yes, I want to ask for an emotional healing process about what we're talking here that like I'm doing this part part of me eating that the part of my being I don't know exactly what it is but it's what's the feeling what's the emotion sadness okay yeah that's all you need okay that's all you need is the doorway so go ahead and ask can can anyone hold and navigate space for an emotional healing process for me in the next two three days and yes. I mean um, Gabriel like America and time you have Gabriel and Michael and Teresa. Thank you. Cool. Great team. Anybody else? Yes. yes. I uh, Michael, go first, Michael. Can anybody hold space for me for an emotional healing process about my fear of giving too much? Teresa and Ana Maria and Isabel. Thank you. Just write their names down and then you can work out. Thank you. Gabrielle, you wanted to also? You're asking? Yes. And now there is heartbeat coming and it's more an emotional fear. I don't know what it is about. It's more about the You don't have to know. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. know, Gabriel. Just let your box, you know, put your your box here and just ask for ask for the process okay i ask for emotional healing process for my fear of of changing actually changing from uh, having an apartment having a place to to be and changing to mm -hmm. thing. i see michael's hand and door. Is there one other person who could be on that team? Yes. Laura, I'm just, just wait a second. So Laura, you don't have to know how to do this stuff to be on a team. So if you if you feel like what the hell, I'm just gonna, you know, Gabriel's seems like an okay guy. He's asking for help. I'm interested in this stuff. I want to learn more. I'll be on the team. You don't have to be the expert, you know what I'm saying? So if you feel like it, just go ahead. It's true for anybody. Uh, okay, I'll I'll be on the team. Okay, cool. Thank Great. you. Cool. Super. Anybody else asking for a process before we head out? Um I I would um would anybody <laughs> hold an emotional healing process space for me to look at the this emotional fear I have about um around speaking into this this group. Isabel has her hand up. Isabel and, and Kinu. Yes. That's and Sonia Gonzalez and Gabriel. Okay, you got four. Okay. You can and it, Laura it helps to write their names mm -hmm. down. And then connect with them. So it's Gabriel, Sonia, Gonzalez, Kinu, and, and Isabel. Isabel. 
Yeah. Great. Anybody else? It's so great to do this. I'm so glad that we're at the place where we can start asking for the EHPs as a team. It's just so fantastic to move forward uh, because this stuff is it's huge. You know what? We spent two or three weeks almost on this one page doing these experiments. Okay, you know, we're not getting very fast through the book, but we're moving at the speed of evolution that really works really is sustainable. Does anybody want to say any last thing to wrap up? Angela, go ahead. I didn't want to ask now for EHP. I um, uh, have an appointment with Andrea, who often on the group, uh, but I'm almost fainting. I wanted to um, say maybe officially to Eva that I would like to make contact with her. I had on Monday a biopsy in my breast and I'm just freaking out of fear. And I would like to talk to her. I would ask if she... Angela, I try to say talk right to there. you. Yeah, talk to you. Talk to right you. There. I would like to talk to you, Eve. Yeah. Let's do that. I will make contact. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. Great, thank you. It, it takes really courage to do this stuff. We're so not used to this. So it's, it's really pushing pushing the limits. And thank you for doing that. Okay, can everybody please take a deep breath? Remember, we're going to vanish this space, this study group space. And you can uh, take this space with you. You know, you can take it with you, but don't expect that the next space you go in will have some of these same qualities. Remember that you are the source of the spaces that you create. You don't have to match your space to somebody else's space over there. You do not have to match them to be connected with them, okay? You can hold your space as you want it and connect, even though they're in a very different space from you. So we have this un unconscious habit of just making our space like other people's spaces. And then we fall into the doom and gloom of their lives. And it's just, you don't have to do that. Just keep your center grounding cord bubble, hold your space and you can connect with people. Just don't, don't dissipate that energy from our study group so fast. You know, it's yours. You, you were here, you've got it, it's with you. Take it with you. It's what it's for to take with you. Thank you very much for being here and having this conversation today. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Okay. Have a great time. Be careful. Have fun. <laughs> Keep playing. <laughs> See you guys. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Adios. Bye -bye. Adios. Mm -hmm.